Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. It's episode 14, and uh, we have some good stuff to talk to you about today. Uh, we're going to talk about some stuff that we talked about earlier in the week, actually. You know, some articles we had earlier in the week, and I want to also give you some buyer's advice. That's right. We're going to actually do something useful for you for once rather than just uh, blabber about. But anyway, let's get started. Uh, firstly, I just want to talk about some of the topics we're going to talk to you about so you can like uh, kind of think <laughs> if you want to listen all the way through or not. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the E92 3 Series Coupe. We did a buyer's guide on the entire E90 Generation 3 Series earlier in the week. Actually, it was last week. And uh, that seemed to go over really well. Uh, but it's also just a car we like a lot. And it's a car that I think personally, you know, as well as Horacio, who we think is going to be, you know, maybe not a future classic per se, but, you know, it's something that's always going to look really good and uh, be a great car for a lot of young enthusiasts who want to get into an inexpensive BMW. So we're going to talk a little bit about that you know, which ones to buy, what to avoid, stuff like that. I also want to talk about the 2 Series Grand Coupe because I personally wrote an article uh, last week that stated uh, that it was too expensive. It just is too expensive, and I don't think it's worth buying, and that might upset BMW a little bit. But it's true. It's At least it's how I feel. Um, and I have some facts to back it up, so I'm not just talking nonsense. Um, and then also, I want to talk to you about winter tires, because we're huge proponents of winter tires, and uh, I think it's really, really, really important to have winter tires on your car, um, and just, just really have the proper tires on your car in general, you know, at all times. But winter tires are really important, something we want to stress, and so we're going to talk to you a little bit about that. All right, so let's kick it off with the E93 Series. Specifically, I want to talk about the E92 3 Series Coupe. So... The E90 generation uh, is a bit confusing for maybe some non-BMW enthusiasts. And that's the E90 is the 3 Series sedan from 2006 to 2012, I think. Yeah, 2012. Um, actually, I think it went on sale in 2005, but it's 2006 model year. Anyway, you know what I mean. 20, 2006 to 2012-ish, um, the E92 is the coupe, the E91 is the wagon, and the E93 is the convertible. Specifically, though, we want to talk about the E92 3 Series Coupe, and that's because it's such a great car, and I think it's a little bit overlooked, because it's kind of sandwiched in between two cars, so two very, very uh, widely talked about cars. So the E92 seems to like kind of get forgotten a little bit. So prior to the E92 was the E46, probably the most legendary sports sedan ever. You know, everyone loves the E46 3 Series, and for good reason. It's a sensational car. It's still like the high-water mark for, you know, that perfect premium sports sedan uh, driving feel, you know. It has, like, that perfect blend of comfort and sportiness. It's just, it's, like, near perfection. Um, and then the F30, which followed uh, the E90, or the E92, and the F30, which also became the F uh, 4 Series Coupe, so it's a kind of confusing there. But, um, so the F33 Series was kind of, not slammed, but... It definitely took a significant step down from the E90 in terms of, you know, handling, steering feel, things like that. Enthusiasts really felt that the F30 was kind of a misstep. So because that's so widely talked about and the E46 is so beloved, the E92 seems to kind of fall into this little forgotten place. And it's a shame because the E92 3 Series Coupe is a wonderful car. Firstly, it looks fantastic. I still think that it's the best-looking 3 Series ever made. It's just so perfectly proportioned. It's, like, genuinely really a, 
a simple card, but it's very, very pretty. It's like, it, it's just, to me, it's the perfect three series. It just looks fantastic. It's like the perfect two-door sporty premium coupe. Like it couldn't look any better. Um, and I like the, the LCI facelift even better, but even the pre-LCI car is still great looking. But so it's a great looking car. So let's get that, you know, tucked away. But not only that, but it's a great driving car. So it's the last th generation of 3 Series to have hydraulic steering. Um, you know, so it has that pure steering feel. It's, you know, heavier. It's weighted, you know, heavier than modern 3 Series steering. Even the new G20 uh, has lighter steering than it. And it's just, it has that like old school BMW feel that's missing from every 3 Series since really. The new G20 Generation 3 Series, the one that's currently on sale now, is great. It's a fantastic car and it's a big step up from the F F30. But I don't, I mean, I haven't driven an E90 in a long time, but I think, I still think the E90 is probably going to be a little bit better than the new G20. You know, I think it's, you know, it's not as good as the E46 that it replaced, but it's really, really, really good to drive. And it comes with great engines. It's the last 3 Series that you can get with a naturally aspirated engine. So if you get like the lower models, like the 328i and things like that, um, you know, they come with naturally aspirated straight six engines, which is awesome. You know, you don't have to worry about turbocharging and all the complications that come with that. Um, sure, it's not as powerful as, you know, modern day turbocharged engines, but, uh, you know, it just it revs cleaner. It just revs smoother, freer. It makes a better noise. You know, those old naturally aspirated straight six engines are just fantastic. Just, just great engines. Um, and you can get it with a manual gearbox still. You can't get a new G20. That doesn't come with a manual gearbox at all, regardless of any, you know, which 3 Series you get. No manual gearbox. So that's really disappointing. But the, the E90, you can still get one. And I recommend getting that, actually, because the uh, the automatic that was available in the 3 Series of that generation is like an old 6-speed ZF unit. And it's fine. It was fine back then. It was, you know, it was great back then. But compared to the modern-day 8-speed you get in BMWs, it just it just doesn't compare at all. It just can't hold its own compared to the new 8-speed, which is so good. You know, like, today's BMW, it's almost forgivable that it doesn't come with a manual because the 8-speed auto is just so damn good. But back then, you don't really want that old 6-speed. Like, back then it was fine, but again, you drive it now compared to, like, you know, more modern BMWs, and it just feels slow and dim-witted and it doesn't shift quick enough and it seems to get kind of get caught up in gears like the software calibration isn't great it's just not uh, it's it's fine like it won't really hinder the car too much but like you want the six-speed manual you really do especially in that generation and that's the thing with automatics as they get older they you can clearly see their age whereas manuals are the exact same you know they they don't really change They're the exact same thing forever so the manual gearbox is always going to be the better choice. Plus, it's just more fun. You know, you're just going to get the, the more fun of the two. Uh, and how do you not love that? A rear-wheel drive BMW with a naturally aspirated straight six, a six-speed manual gearbox, you know, and hydraulic steering. I mean, that's like the dream, right? So the E90 is the last, E92, rather, is the last three-series coupe you could get that in. It's also the last three-series three coupe in general because switch to the four-series after that. So because of that, we think it's a great, great, great car to buy right now. And, you know, who knows? Maybe some somewhere down the line, cars like the 335i Coupe and things like that start to maybe come up in value a little bit because of that sort of, you know, enthusiast nostalgia. Like, look at cars like the E36. E36s, for some reason, are coming back. You know, E46s hold their value. Actually, no, they're pretty cheap right now. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that. But the E36 is kind of coming back a little bit. E30s are expensive. You know, nostalgia kind of 
brings the market up. It kind of makes people like enthusiasts pay overpay for a car just because they love it. And the E92, who knows? Maybe it faces a little bit of that. You know, maybe enthusiasts start to you know appreciate it more as the years go by. So maybe they hold their value pretty well. Um, but I think now is the time to get into one. I think they're great, great, great cars. Again, they look great. They have great engines. You know, the interior is a little dated. I will say that. Like, if you look at the interior of an E92, even then, even back in, like, 2006, 2007, I remember there were reviews, like, the interior is kind of bland. And it, it it's really bland now, especially compared to the new G20, which is really nice on the inside. Um, but that's okay. You know, it's simple. It's, you know, everything works well. It's well built. Uh, you know, the, the gauges are analog gauges which is great um you know it just it's it's fine it'll do fine but the exterior looks fantastic and it drives great so i think the interior being a bit bland is well worth it now obviously there's gonna be a lot of enthusiasts who are like why didn't you mention the m3 yes the e92 m3 is sensational it comes with that unbelievable four liter naturally aspirated v8 it's a wonderful wonderful engine it, it, it you know revs out to a million rpms it's an insane engine but we're not talking about the M3. Everyone knows about the M3. We're just going to talk about the regular 3 Series Coupe and why that's such a good, you know, used car right now. You know, they're relatively inexpensive. You can get them for well under $10,000 for, a, you know, a decent one. Um, you, you know, it's just a great, great, inexpensive, enthusiast car and a great starter car. You know, if you're a car enthusiast who's just started, maybe just getting their license, I mean, I wouldn't recommend buying a BMW as your first car because, you know, they're expensive to maintain. I actually did that myself, and it was a, as much as I love my E36, it was a terrible idea because it cost me a fortune. It cost me way more than I spent on it in repairs, but that's a whole other story for a whole other time. But, you know, maybe if you're a younger enthusiast and you don't have the money for a new BMW, the E92, I think, is a great place to start. It's just... You know, and they're, they're relatively reliable if you don't get the, the um, 335i, which had, like, high-pressure fuel pump issues and stuff like that. If you just get a 328i with a naturally aspirated engine, six-speed manual, you're pretty solid. You know, that's not a really unreliable car by any means. I think that's actually a pretty solid car. Um, won't cost you too much in repairs. Uh, you know, looks great, handles great. And, and that's really the important bit. You know, it has that quintessential BMW handling you know, hydraulic steering, great chassis balance. It's completely uncompromised in any of that stuff. You know, it doesn't have any modern gizmos and gadgets like modern 3 Series have. It's it's, it's very simple. It's, it's basic, back to basics driving. And I think that's really refreshing, actually, in, you know, today's age of super high-tech cars. So, I don't know. I mean, to me, I think that's a great car. And our my buyer's pick, our buyer's pick, is, you know, any, you know, pre-facelift, pre-LCI, post-LCI, Three E92 3 Series or 328i coupe with a six-speed. That is the perfect choice, I think, because you're going to get that naturally aspirated engine, six-speed manual, rear-wheel drive. X-Drive is great, uh, but I would stick with the rear-wheel drive because it's just better. It's just more fun. Uh, you don't really need the all-wheel drive unless you live in like a really snowy area and you just absolutely need it. I would say just get rear-wheel drive and winter tires, honestly, for the w- for winter. And we will talk about winter tires in a little bit, actually, but. No, that's our choice. The E92 328i coupe with a six-speed. Uh, it really doesn't matter what year. Just make sure you get the free-breathing straight six and you know three pedals. That's really the uh, the the catch there. You, that's that's the one you want. So they're affordable now, and we think they're great, great, great buys. So check those out if you're looking for an inexpensive, fun BMW. Moving on, um, I want to talk about the two series, the two series Grand Coupe. 
or the Grand Coupe in uh, New Jersey English. And it's an interesting car because it's not actually as bad as people think. Um, a lot of enthusiasts slam it because it's front-wheel drive-based BMW, and, you know, it's admittedly frumpy-looking. Any <laughs> criticism that people give it for its looks is deserved. It's a weird-looking car. Actually, side note, at the LA Auto Show, BMW unveiled the uh, M235i Grand Coupe, and a lot of people, a lot of, you know, journalists, uh, executives from other car companies that we know, uh, we're walking by the BMW stand going, what the hell did they do with the rear end of this car? Like, why is the trunk lid six feet tall? Like, it's just a weird looking car. It's not, I mean, that's not great looking. I, wouldn't, I don't want to say it's ugly, but it's just bizarre looking. Um, it's not great looking. But aside from that, aside from the criticism of its looks, it's actually a pretty decent car to drive. I drove the M235i both on road and on track. Uh, at BMW's Spartanburg facility um, on their racetrack and and on roads surrounding the facility and it really surprised me a lot on the road it's on the road it's basically as good as I thought it was going to be you know it's decently quick uh, it handles relatively well you know it steers well suspension is fine you know it's a fine car it's not it's not going to you know light your hair on fire but it's not going to upset I don't think it will upset any BMW enthusiast if they actually were to drive it on the road. Forget that it's front-wheel drive base. Forget any of that stuff. If you actually just get it and drive it, it's not like, you know, egregious. It doesn't have, like, egregious understeer. It's not, um, you know, it doesn't have any understeer, actually, on the road. Unless you really, really push it to the point where you're losing your license if you get caught. Uh, you're not going to notice understeer on the road. It, it really handles that well. Um, and, you know, it, it drives fine on the road. On the track is where it actually impressed me. I thought that's where it would fall down. And admittedly, on the track is where some of its faults do arise. Like, it does have a little bit of understeer at the limit. Um, you know, it isn't very... It, it, you know, it's just not very dynamic, you know, on a track. It's it's not the most engaging car. But it's surprisingly fun to toss around. It was kind of like... It was, it was a car that you could just kind of grab it by the scruff of its neck and just really wrestle it. And because it's moderately powered, you know, it only has, like, 300 horsepower, it's not anything really crazy, and it's, you know... It's front-wheel drive-based, but the M235, actually all 2 Series Grand Coupes in America are all-wheel drive. Um, because of that, you know, you have a ton of grip, and it's not a really heavy car, so it's it, it's not, it doesn't get out of sorts easy, it's not very tail-happy, so you can kind of, it's it's easy to, to push it, it's easy to get on a track and just wrestle it around and have some fun, and I actually found myself enjoying it more than I thought I would. You know, I was laughing a little bit, I, it was funny because I was trying to keep up with uh, an X6 M50i and an uh, M5 ahead of that on the track and obviously had no chance. I put my foot to the floor and I just could not catch up. It was pretty funny. But because of that, because I knew that it was underpowered compared to the other cars on the track, I knew I couldn't keep up with them. You know, I knew it wasn't, you know, a hardcore track car. I was just kind of like, all right, let's just throw this thing around, have some fun. And because of that lighthearted nature, it was more fun than I really expected. So it's not a bad car. However, I will say this, you shouldn't buy it because it's overpriced. It is. It's just way too much money. It really is. It's just far too expensive. So let's let's talk numbers. Let's get this legit, not just conjecture. I'm going to give you some numbers. The, the base model 2 Series Grand Coupe in the United States is the 228i xDrive. And that wears a starting sticker price of $37,500 before destination. Okay? 
For that, you get 228 horsepower from a 2-liter turbo 4. Uh, you get an 8-speed Eisen gearbox, not the ZF. And you get a Haldex all-wheel drive system with a front-wheel drive-based car. Now, you can have that, or you can spend just over $3,000 more and get the BMW 330i, which has more power, much more torque, a better gearbox, is rear-wheel drive, far more fun to drive, is faster, is nicer on the inside, is better built, it's bigger, it has a bigger back seat, it has a bigger trunk, it's better in every single way by a huge margin, and it's only $3,000 more. That's barely that much more money in a monthly payment. It makes literally no sense why anyone should buy a 2 Series Grand Coupe. It literally does, like, there's no world where that is a better value than the 3 Series. Again, I'm not a 2 Series Grand Coupe hater. I actually just admitted two seconds ago that I think it's a much better driving car than people might think it is. However, I've driven that and I've driven the new 3 Series extensively, and the new 2 Series Grand Coupe, as good as it may be, is not nearly as good to drive as a 3 Series. Plus, it's smaller, has a tiny little back seat, has a you know small trunk, is not good looking at all, has a worse gearbox, a less powerful engine, you know, and yeah, it's all-wheel drive, but it's a Haldex all-wheel drive system, so it's really just front-wheel drive like 99% of the time. And then it can only send a maximum of 50% power to the rear wheels at any given time. So it's barely all-wheel drive. You know, a rear-wheel drive car with winter tires, huh, again, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, is going to be much better in the snow anyway. Um, it's just the 3 Series is a, is a massively better car for barely any more money. At that point, it's barely any more money. Anyone get, Unless BMW offers ridiculously cheap lease deals on the 2 Series Grand Coupe, I really don't see a reason why anyone should buy it. And don't even get me started on the M235i for $45,000 or whatever. You had some options and you're over fifty grand for a front-wheel drive-based 3 Series with 300 horsepower. That's madness to me. It's just madness. It, it, it makes no sense to get. I just don't see any world where the 2 Series Grand Coupe is a good value. And again, I don't think it's a bad car. I actually think it's a surprisingly decent car. I don't hate it for being front-wheel drive. I think it's fine. I think it makes perfect sense in the market. Um, you know, I think it's pretty good to drive. Sure, it's ugly, but it's it's pretty good to drive. And the inside's actually pretty nice. It looks quite similar to the 3 Series. The materials aren't as good. Um, but, you know, it actually has some interesting features. Like, it has a cool strip of trim across the dashboard that actually has backlighting, like, underneath the design, so it kind of, like, lights up and looks kind of cool and edgy and youthful, and that's great. But for $3,000 more than the 228i, the cheapest model there is, you can get the 3 Series, the 330i, which comes with a lot more kit as standard. It's just a better car. It's just a better car. It's better built. It's better looking. It's a better interior. I can't list all the things that it's better at again because it's going to make me crazy. Like, it's just so much better. And to me, I just don't see why you buy a 2 Series. Now, so let's look at the M235i Grand Coupe because maybe someone's like, well, that's a fast car and that's faster than the 330i and it's only $5,000 more. And it, that's true. It is faster than the 330i. But in a straight line, it's only like a half a second faster you're not really going to notice that on the road. And I've driven the M235i. It's not as nice to drive as the the base model 3 Series. The 330i is still more fun to drive 
than the M Performance version of the 2 Series Grand Coupe. It's more dynamic, the 3 Series. It has the better engine. It might not be as powerful as the M235i, but its engine is better. It's smoother. Its gearbox is much better. It's better calibrated. And it's a rear-wheel drive, so it's just going to be more fun. Like, I don't even see why you'd buy that one, the Performance version. And throwing a, a, another monkey wrench into the M235i's uh, value proposition is its literal numbered sibling, the M240i, which is much faster, that has a B58 engine in it. It you know, 3 liter turbocharged straight six, 300 and I think what 335 horsepower, something like that. You know, that's really fast. That car's like really, really fast. And it's $45,800. So it's only $800 more than the M235i. And you get a much bigger engine, a much better engine, and you get a dynamic rear-wheel drive chassis that's much more fun to drive. Now, yeah, the, M2, the M240i isn't like the pinnacle of BMW's uh, you know, handling dynamics. It's actually not that great when you compare it to like the M2 competition, which isn't that much more money. But it's much better than the M235i, and you can have it with a manual. Like... If you're looking for a performance car, the M240i is fantastic, and it's the same money. Like, I just don't see why you would need the M235i Grand Coupe. I don't see why anyone would need it. Now, if it was $32,000 to start, like if the 228i was $32,000 to start, sure, I'm on board. You know, because then it's much closer to thirty grand. You know, it's further away from the 3 Series. Now it actually sorts, sort of starts to make sense as a value proposition. You know, getting close to that $30,000 mark. If you can get close to that in a BMW, that's pretty good. You're getting a pretty premium car for that much money. Okay, and, and then it's kind of like, you know, do you get, uh, you know, a loaded Volkswagen GTI or the BMW? You know, the BMW is kind of more premium. It's like a more premium version of like a GTI or something like that. So I get it at like $32,000, $33,000. At basically thirty-eight grand. Nope. No, doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why anyone would buy it. And I'm sure BMW is going to sell a boatload because I have a feeling they're going to maybe maybe offer some like really attractive uh, lease deals and that's going to get a ton of people in the door. But I really just don't see the point. Uh, it, it's, it's a fine car, but it's not worth 3 Series money. Not even close. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell BMW is thinking on that, but it's just... Ugh. <laughs> 2 Series Grand Coupe for almost 40 grand. No thank you. I don't know what, what BMW is doing there. And, and what's hilarious is the 3 Series is just, it's such a good car. Like anyone who would drive them back to back and pick the 2 Series Grand Coupe is insane. Like they're insane. And just for another couple grand on the 3 Series, you can get X-Drive anyway. So you can get all-wheel drive. And it's a better all-wheel drive system because it's not Haldex. So like, and Haldex is fine, but Haldex in that kind of car, just it's just not worth that much money. To me, it's ridiculous. So maybe I'm being overly harsh. Uh, you know, maybe it's not that, you know, that bad of a value proposition. But oh, I just don't see where the value comes from there. So if you're looking to buy a 2 Series Grand Coupe, I apologize if I just really insulted you. But I would, if you're looking to buy one, I would seriously suggest looking into spending just a little bit more money on the 3 Series because you're going to get a much, much, much better car. Like, it's a little bit more money, but it's so much more car for that little bit extra money. Like, the value is just so much better on the 3 Series than on the 2 Series Grand Coupe. But I'm not even going to talk options. Maybe the 2 Series has some options the 3 Series doesn't have as standard. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because no options are worth having the worse car for basically the same money. Like, that, that just doesn't make any sense. Get the better car. 
because that's what you're paying for. You're paying for a car. If you want fancy options, use your smartphone. You know, you get the better car. So to me, the 3 Series is hands down. Don't even look at the 2 Series Grand Coupe. Just go straight for the 3 Series. And actually, what's kind of funny is I'm actually looking at BMW USA's website right now. And you know what the real kicker is? For $44,000, it's $43,950. For $44,000, you can get an X3 with all-wheel drive and the same engine as the 330i. So for like $6,000 more, which is, yeah, that's a significant bump up. But you're getting an SUV, like a whole SUV that is so much more space you know, all-wheel drive, it's so much bigger, it's getting an SUV for barely any more money. I mean, it's not barely, the six grand's actually a pretty big deal, but it's an SUV, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, to me, there's no value in the 2 Series Grand Coupe. It's just too small and too much money, and it's not as good to drive as the other cars. At much at 32 grand, I'm all for it. I'm all in. It's a good car at 32 grand. At 38 grand, or whatever, 37 grand, 38 grand, no way. Just absolutely not. Hell, you can get a BMW X1 for less money. I don't know I keep harping on BMW. I'm on BMW USA's website as we speak. So I'm kind of looking at all the cars that are in that money. And I keep finding new cars that are better values than the 228i Grand Coupe. The little X1. It's a great car. I actually love the X1. I think for for the money, it's a fantastic car. Actually, it's one of the better driving BMWs. Don't tell BMW enthusiasts I said that. It's actually a pretty good little Beamer to drive. I actually, in fact, fun fact, the X1 is the first ever... BMW car I drove officially working for BMW blog well actually on a press launch it was my first press launch car we drove it in Mexico and it's a surprisingly good car I've liked it ever since it's a great little car to drive it has so much more space than the little 2 series and it's like a genuine like practical car and you can get it with all-wheel drive for about the same money like why would you get the 2 series Grand Coupe if you're just looking for like you know efficient inexpensive transportation but you want something a little more premium you don't really care about driving dynamics get the x1 it's so much more car for the money than the 2 series grand coupe i keep harping on it i'm getting a little heated now because it's just to me it just seems insane i just can't get over the fact that it just seems like such poor value i don't know what the hell's going on with that car what bmw was thinking but it just i mean the x2 the x2 is basically the same drivetrain and it's the same money and it comes with a bigger trunk like why get the 2 series grand coupe I don't know. All right. I'm going to be done harping on it now because I feel like I'm probably going to be insulting some two series Grand Coupe owners or something. Um, let's move on to winter tires because I've teased it twice now. Um, and it's something that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about because it's actually something that we find very important. We've spoken about it numerous times in numerous articles over the years. Um, it's something we, we preach this. You know, we're evangelical about it. Winter tires are extremely important. To me, I think they're a necessity. Um, and I say that uh, coming from someone who's just gotten his first pair of winter tires ever this winter. Um, yes, I, I never practiced what I preached, but I still have always believed that winter tires are extremely, extremely important um, for the winter, far more so than the actual drivetrain of the car. Um, you know, winter tires will help you, it will help a car in freezing temperatures on icy roads more than all-wheel drive with all-season tires. It just will. We've seen it work. You know, we've seen tire reviews. We've we've tested winter tires on snow. We've tested, you know, back and forth between winter tires on a rear-wheel drive car and, you know, all-seasons on a, uh, you know, all-wheel drive car. And the winter-tired car will always outperform any all-season tire in bad weather, 
in snow, in freezing temperatures, on ice, it doesn't matter. The compound of the tire is more important than anything. Um, you know, like, again, we are evangelical about this stuff. We want customers to buy winter tires because, firstly, they save lives. I mean, you'd be amazed at, like, the difference that winter tires make, not just in grip, but braking distances, stuff like that, like little things like that. Well, that's actually not a little, that's a huge thing, but things that people overlook that are so important. People think, well, I don't want to get stuck. Well, forget about getting stuck. So being able to hold the roads, so being able to maneuver around something, you know, in on light snow or in freezing temperatures, uh, if something were to fall on the road or, you know, if someone stops short in front of you, you need to be able to brake. You know, you winter tires are hugely important in bad weather and freezing temperatures, especially if you live in like, like I'm, I'm in New Jersey. Our winters aren't even that harsh and I would still recommend them here. You know, if you live up, you know, maybe in like Maine or something, or if you live in like Sweden or something, winter tires are necessary for the winter. They just are necessary. Now the brand we always recommend is Nokian or Nokian. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Nokian. Anyway, you know, it's the Finnish tire company from Finland and they are probably the best makers of winter tires on the market um and we've tested them on a few different cars and we've always come away with like really impressed just the, the levels of grip that they have for not non-studded tires we're talking about regular winter tires just the level of grip that they have and any car that we've tested them on has always been really really impressive and recently actually we wrote an article maybe i don't know a couple weeks ago where, I don't know if you've ever seen this guy's YouTube channel, but it's, I think it's called Tire Reviews, as simple as that is. And he was testing um, different Nokians in the snow on like a snow track in like Sweden or something. So it was just crazy, crazy cold on a track, you know, a snow track. So the whole thing was just snow, it was, you know, snow banks on either side of, uh, you know, the track. It was, it was just almost zero grip. Some of it was a little bit slippery and icy, just really, really slippery stuff. And he was testing three different tires, all Nokians, but one tire was like a Europe, basic European winter compound for like, you know, normal, you know, the continental European countries. Um, then one was, I think it was called like the Nordic winter tire for, you know, like those countries like Sweden and Finland and countries like that where the winters are just excruciating and just brutal. You know, so, you know, it was like a specific compound for those sorts of winters. And then one was the same compound as the Nordic, like the extreme one, but studded. So he tested all three on the track, and what was amazing was that the Nordic ones, the ones that were just a, a much more extreme compound, made so much of a bigger difference than the studded tires. So like the, the difference between the regular European winter tire and the Nordic one was massive, and then the difference between the, the Nordic one and the Nordic studded one wasn't really that, that much. So it's not about really like studs or, you know, how many driven wheels it's it's about the compound that's what's important certain rubber compounds can handle freezing temperatures certain rubber compounds and like the way um you, you know they, they can kind of like i don't know if they stick to the snow but like i'm not a you know, chemist i don't know how the, the rubber works but they can just handle the snow better you know they can handle freezing temperatures they can grip better in the cold they can grip better when they're wet you know, it's, it, the compound is the most important part of it. And it's pretty remarkable the differences that they make. It's not just like he was testing it on a track. And basically, the way he tested it for numbers was to see how fast he could lap the track. Um, but on top of that, he was also testing, you know, how easy the car was to control. Did it get too tail happy? Once once it did start to slide, 
Was it easy to catch? You know, things like that. And it was amazing the difference between the standard winter tire and the extreme one. So the difference between even a standard winter tire and like an all-season tire in, you know, the snow or freezing temperatures is massive. It really is massive. So we are, again, huge proponents. Now, side note, um, I'm testing uh, Hankook winter tires at the moment, and they're surprisingly good. That's a winter performance tire, and I've been really impressed so far, to be honest with you. I've only been able to test them in like real winter weather like two or three times because in New Jersey, it's like 60 degrees out today. It's, I don't know. Uh, climate change is really messing with stuff right now because it's like springtime here. And it's January. I don't know what's going on. It's kind of weird, actually. So I haven't really been able to test them as much as I'd like, but what I have seen from them has really impressed me. You know, grip in you know areas that I wouldn't normally have grip in all-season tires. Um, you know, it's just really, really impressive stuff. Braking distances, I've noticed it breaks a little bit better than, than my previous all seasons in the snow or in, uh, you know, freezing temperatures. So, you know, I'm noticing a difference, you know, a significant difference now. And it's, they're really starting to impress me. But it's not just, you know, Nokian or I'm testing Hankooks. You know, Michelin makes great winter tires. They all do. So, like all the major companies, Bridgestone has great winter tires. And I think they're essential. Now, I get that they're expensive. It's expensive to, to go out and buy a separate set of tires that you're only going to use for a few months. I get that. Now, my recommendation is suck it up, buy them. Or buy them. Spend the money, buy the winter tires. Put them in your garage, put them in a little tire bag or whatever, zip them up. Keep them in the garage all you know spring, summer, and fall. And then by the time winter rolls around, take them out, spend the 200 bucks or whatever it costs to get them mounted and balanced again, and just... just Deal with it. Suck it up and deal with it because it could save your life. It could save the lives of the people in your car. And it could save the lives of people around you. And not only that, so let's forget the safety aspect of it for a second. I know that sounds crazy. Forget the safety aspect of it. But let's say you buy a BMW. You're buying it because it's the ultimate driving machine, right? That's obviously debatable in certain cars. But still, you BMWs are typically really good driving cars. They are dynamic they are fun, they are luxurious, you know, they ride well, they handle well, they're fast. Wouldn't you want to maximize the amount of traction, the amount of uh, capability that your performance car has in the winter? Because if you have all-season tires, they might not be as, you know, highly rated on dry pavement as the winter tires, but when the temperatures start to go down and your winter tires can't handle it, you're going to have no grip. So your, you know, really impressive performance car it's going to go pretty much nowhere. You know, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. You're not going to be able to really push it and have fun with it. You're not going to be able to do that in all season tires in the winter. Winter tires will allow you to do that. So it's an investment that not only allows, not only can save your life, but allows you to really appreciate the car that you just spent a lot of money on. You know, it allows you to do that four seasons out of the year rather than just three. So I think it's an, a worthwhile investment. A lot of enthusiasts don't agree with me. They're wrong. <laughs> um, objectively so. You know, objectively speaking, anyone who doesn't think that winter tires are not hugely beneficial in freezing temperatures is wrong. Because they are. I mean, it's proven. There are re repeated numerous scientific tests that prove winter tires are a massive, uh, you know, massive step up over even the best all-season tires in you know, freezing temperatures, snow, slush, icy roads, you know, it can save your life. And I think, I don't think that's, you know, 
a few hundred bucks, you know, every year to get, you know, old tires taken off and new ones mounted and balanced. I don't think that that's a, I think that's a small price to pay to have that peace of mind to know that you are on the safest possible tires you can be on, you know, when you drive every day. I think that's just, to me, I think it's a no-brainer. And again, we are like evangelical about this stuff. We want people to get winter tires because they are important. So, you know, it doesn't matter what brand you get. I mean, obviously that matters. You don't get like the cheap, crappy, you know, budget tires. But, you know, there are tons of great brands. We're not just trying to push one brand. You know, whether you want to get Michelins or, you know, Continentals or Bridgestones or Handcooks or Nokians or whoever. So many brands make really Pirellis. doesn't matter. You know, they all make, all the main mainstream tire brands make great winter tires. So get a set, put them on your BMW for the winter, get them taken off. You know what's another great idea? Buy a cheap set of wheels. Buy a second set of wheels, you know, on like Craigslist or something. Or get a new set of wheels. Get a second set of wheels, put winter tires on them, and just swap the wheels out. This this way you don't have to pay to have them mounted and balanced every year. Just jack the car up, swap the winter wheels on. And another great thing is like road salt is kind of damaging to really nice wheels so if you have really nice wheels and you don't want to you know get messed up in the winter that's when the second set of wheels comes in great right there they don't have to be perfect because they're going to get hit with road salt and all sorts of crap anyway so they don't have to be great you can get a used set that aren't you know that are in pretty good shape put your winter tires on it now it's nice and easy every winter you don't have to get a mountain and balanced so i think it's a worthwhile investment for big believers in winter tires and if you're on the fence trust me Please trust me. They're well worth the investment. I didn't listen to my own advice for a while because I was cheap. Uh, now that I have finally taken my advice and gotten a set of winter tires on my car, uh, I'm wondering what the hell I was doing for so many years. So that's my suggestion. That's our suggestion. We are big proponents of it. So yeah, get winter tires. And that's it for this week after my uh, interesting little tirade there about winter tires. Um, yeah, that's it for this week. We don't have any more questions for this week, which is kind of disappointing because I actually like answering questions. I like when you guys interact. So yeah, again, I'm going to reiterate this. Send any questions to the Nico at BMWblog.com. That's my BMW blog email, obviously. So send any question you have about anything BMW related or, or not, any questions automotive related, shoot them over, uh, you know, and I'll answer them. And if I don't have the answer for you, I'll get the answer from one of our various colleagues that are smarter than me. <laughs> so, yeah, please answer or ask any questions. I'll answer them. Um, and I, I enjoy it. We enjoy it. It's a good way to interact. And and there's a lot of things like we can't always give absolutely every bit of information everyone's looking to hear. You know, people have very specific questions that we can't answer, you know, without you asking them. We can't just come up with articles that answer everything for everyone because it's just not possible. So you guys interacting with us helps us be more specific. It helps us kind of really, really help you guys out on a you know much more personal level. So so we like it. So continue to ask some questions, and uh, you know I hope you keep listening and stay tuned for next week. And uh, side note, next week we are having a guest on. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be a special episode. So make sure you stay tuned.